Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. everyone and welcome back to the magic and alchemy podcast i'm kate Ballou, and i'm kristen lisenby how's your day going what's new uh well i'd love to tell you that i got my garden sowed this week but it's been storming so much lately so i'm still just prepping the greenhouse and slowly picking away at my ever-growing book pile I love a good storm, um, especially when I can curl up and read. Are you reading anything good right now? I feel like our community is always asking us for good book recommendations. Yeah, I just finished reading Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Mm. It's a book that I've owned for several years, and it's been in my to-read pile for far too long. But I think books have a way of just showing up when we're ready for them. And so I can't really think of a better book to be reading as we're recording an episode dedicated to plants. I'm assuming you must have read Braiding Sweetgrass already. I have, and I also absolutely love her episode on the On Being podcast as well, which I actually just listened to maybe about a month ago. Oh, that's amazing. Well, for any of our listeners who haven't read this beautiful book, Braiding Sweetgrass is nonfiction. It's written by an indigenous woman who is a botanist and professor of forest biology. And in addition to her sharing a lot of her childhood and background, she talks about her relationship with plants and the natural environment. It's definitely a must read for anyone who considers himself a student of plants. Definitely. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Celtic tree calendar, ash, and some folklore surrounding this druidic tree. What tree corresponds with your birthday on the calendar, Kristen? I believe mine is elder, which I love as a protective ally, but also as a transformative one. I always like the idea that witches can turn themselves into elder trees when in need. Mm, Mine is Rowan, and I keep a little twig of Rowan here on my desk and by the doors in my apartment, which is really lovely. Is this because it's the tree that corresponds to your birthday, or is there something else about Rowan that draws you in? It does correspond with my birthday, but I also love its connection with intuition and protection. A little bit of background, the Celtic tree calendar is divided by 13 moon cycles of the year. The modern tree calendar is based conceptually off the letters of the Celtic Oghem alphabet as they correspond to trees. There is very little evidence of the Celtic tree calendar actually being created by the early Celts, however it is a point of contention among Celtic scholars. These symbols and themes tie in with Celtic culture and mythology and are therefore symbolically beautiful ways to honor the different sabbats and turning of the wheel. In Oak, Ash, and Thorn by DJ Conway, the calendars are described like this. 
The Druids use the Greek Meton cycle, and this cycle consists of 235 lunar months, the time it takes the sun and the moon to travel back to the same positions of a previous 19-year cycle. A Druidic cycle was completed in six lusters, or 30 years, based on a solar cycle. A luster was a cycle of five years. A period of 630 years was then called a Druidic era. Oak, ash, and thorn are actually considered a fairy triad because in groves where these trees grew together, you could be sure that the fey folk were not too far away. The month between February and March was called Agronios, or the Moon of Ice, and it was also called the Ash Moon, depending on where you're reading. Ash is associated with March and the weeks just before March begins. Ash is associated with protection in many texts, and people used to pick up ash leaves in the hope of warding off negative energies and personal misfortune. I also found a love spell involving ash that said, in the north of England, it was thought that by placing an ash leaf in the left shoe, a woman could meet her future spouse immediately. That's so interesting. I don't necessarily think of ash and love having much overlap. I typically relate ash to, like you said, protection or purification. Yeah, definitely. Um, An ash was a sacred tree to the Druids. It was symbolic of the world tree, and it meant, therefore, prophecy, prosperity, and protection. The world tree was a way to access what is called the other worlds, and in some cases, this is the realm of the fey folk. In a book I have, Enchantment of the Fairy Realm, its author Ted Andrews says, Ash's spirit is strong and holds the knowledge of how events and people are linked together. It can teach the magic of poetry and how to weave words into powerful effects. During my research, I came across quite a few references to Ash and poetry, which made me think of you. I also read that it was common for Ash to sort of take over neglected cemeteries, holy places like temples and churches, or other once lively but now abandoned places. And I guess that was considered good luck, which makes sense when I think about what you just said, that people in the Fae use ash as a doorway to other realities. Yes, uh, fairy trees were one way that the she or the fairy folk could move between worlds, this world and the other world, and a fairy tree is often an ash tree. So, how do you know a fairy tree when you see it? They often stand alone in fields and are commonly found with large stones circling its base, most likely to protect it. It's considered horrible luck to disrupt a fairy tree, which is why you will often see farmers tending to their fields around trees instead of cutting them down. I found stories online from Ireland of road work being delayed because fairy trees would be in the path and the workers would refuse to touch the tree. On most occasions, roads have just been rerouted to bypass ash trees. I even found one story about the famous car manufacturer DeLorean. There is talk that the company may have failed due to chopping down such a tree. When they built their car manufacturing plant near Belfast, the company was then cursed with bad luck. It's interesting to think of the ash tree as this protective guardian. It's a comparison that shows up again and again, no matter the mythology or origin story. 
You mentioned how farmers respected Ash, and I came across a similar story about a woman who I believe was from England, but it might have been Scotland. But she was saying how growing up, it was common knowledge that if you had an ash tree on your property or in your fields, if you were a farmer, that it was good luck because it was believed to ward off witches. She then went on to say that some farmers would make crowns from ash and rowan, not to protect themselves, but their cows. She said she remembered seeing herds of cows wearing these twiggy, leafy crowns throughout the year, especially when times were tough, because I guess if you were a cow, adorning yourself with ash and rowan was believed to increase milk production. It's really interesting the different ways that ash is either worked with or against witchcraft. Yeah, and at the same time, while many stories suggest that ash was a witch's kryptonite, Others say the opposite. Historically, besom brooms had long wooden handles made from ash. Walking sticks and wands made from ash were considered the best there was. And weaving baskets from ash was a way to harvest some of the useful qualities of this plant ally, while at the same time honoring it. Why do you think that ash was so sought after when it comes to tool making? Well, from what I understand, so long as an ash tree has ideal growing conditions, the branches and joints are pretty flexible. So in the past, healers used ash to make splints, and warriors used it to make weapons. If we look at its history, ash's uses were, and still are, quite diverse. I can't remember if I mentioned this in our Yule episode, but a Yule log was often made from ash. Mm. In some places in England, families would gather one large ash log and several branches that they would wrap around the largest piece. Some stories say you needed six branches, some say nine, twelve. Others say however many you could fit in the fireplace. To me, it sounds like it was essentially a giant homemade smokestick. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of rituals surrounding the Yule Log, but for many, it was a protection ceremony to ward off evil spirits. But that doesn't mean it was all work and no play. Stories say that as each beam burned off, that's what they called the smaller branches, every person standing in front of the fire would celebrate by downing a quart of cider. <laughs> it sounds like it was a last man standing type game with people betting who could withstand the most heat and cider. Mm. Allegedly, it was ashwood that warmed the stable in Bethlehem for the birth of Christ. Burning ash signals new beginnings and is believed to unite opposites, so it makes sense that it shows up in these important moments in spiritual lore. In addition to the mystical properties I mentioned, there also might have been a practical reason for using ash, since it was one of the few trees that will still burn even when green. I didn't know that, but that alone seems pretty mystical. For some practical spell work with Ash, I found this charm online from Ellen Dugan that made me smile, and I thought maybe it would be helpful to one of our listeners, someone dealing with some wintertime blues, like I am. <laughs> Um, ash is a healing tree, like we've mentioned, so two ash twigs may be fashioned together into a solar amulet, and the solar energy is used then to help fight these wintertime blues. You can create this amulet on a nice sunny day, 
take two small ash twigs about six inches in length and tie them together into an equal armed cross, also known as a solar cross. You can fasten a gold ribbon at the center of the twigs and knot the ribbon three times while saying a blessing. You can hang this amulet in a prominent location in your home or tuck it into your locker or your desk at work. This amulet would also be super easy to adapt into a pocket charm if you keep the twigs at about two inches in length, and then you have yourself a little portable solar amulet. Ash can teach us how to bridge between worlds, connect to our own inner wisdom and poetry, and to stand in our own protective light, even when things feel darker than we'd like them to. Ash can remind us that the shadow is important and that all things in the web of life are sacred. I love how you just said that. In Braiding Sweetgrass, the author talks quite a bit about how certain plant species are helpers or allies. Mm. And it's okay for us as humans to harness some of that energy so long as we return the favor. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a beautiful take on a human's relationship with plants. So often we talk about humanity as this curse upon nature, like we're not helping at all. We're more of a detriment than a benefit to the plant world. But there are, of course, ways for us to live in harmony with the world because humans are a part of that ecosystem. And I'm curious, Kate, how do you think people can honor Ash this month in a way that's not just sustainable, but beneficial? I love that question, and also, in addition, regenerative. Yes. Um, depending on your climate, you could consider planting an ash tree or making a commitment to planting a tree when the time is right. You could donate some money to a reforestation project or leave a little bit of an offering to the symbolic ash on your altar. What do you think? I love all those suggestions. I think also making the commitment to learn more about this plant ally is a beautiful way to honor it. Mm -hmm. Adding a drawing or observations to your Materia Medica if you have one, or supporting artists, makers, and herbalists who work closely with this plant mm -hmm. also feels like a good way to celebrate ash. So if you were gifted a branch or two of ash right now, how would you use them? Would you weave a crown with your rowan or do something for the fey folk? I think I would maybe try Ellen's spell that I found and place it on my door in my apartment or there's this window kind of like right behind my desk, like maybe maybe there to kind of help with February in Brooklyn. Um, but a crown with rowan is also a beautiful idea. I'm still looking for ways to connect with the city fairies here, so maybe more on that later. But what about you? Uh, well, one of my favorite things to do with any new element in my practice is just to do a simple meditation with it and see what comes up. So I'd probably start there. I also read that in tarot, the hangman is suspended from an ash tree, so I might try to come up with a tarot spread to divine some more answers. I love that. The hangman is one of my favorite cards. Yes, me too. Well, I think that that's all the time that we have today. So thank you so much for joining us on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. 
Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at K8Ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Join us for next week's episode where we talk moon magic. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time.